On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. This is Tall Can Audio. Hello, everybody. Welcome inside another episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast. Back in the studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada, on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. You can just follow there if you'd so desire. Uh, my name is Matt Robinson. His name's Rob Christie. What's happening today, man? It's um. It's a nice midweek visit, Matt. I, I I enjoy a little uh, a post work pint and a visit with Matt. Like honestly, it's it's a <laughs> can it get any better than this? Well, this is the good stuff, right? Good to hear you. Don't have to see you. It's <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Usually, usually it's people love to see me, oh. not hear me. Okay. Well, I'm gonna take the opposite today. This is okay. Um, right, what are we sipping on here? Oh, you've caught me. You've caught me half prepared. Oh. I am He's drinking. He's always prepared. A, yeah, no, for sure. If there's, I, I never sit down behind the mic without there being pints at the ready. Usually with an S, yeah. Yeah. Not today. Nope. T- nope. You it's said not right. today. Sorry, I thought. Yeah. yeah. No, no, there's pints. Yeah, okay. I, I am drinking, um, and it's funny, I was, as I was rushing to get home from work and and uh, and, and get this all set up. Gotta see Matt. Gotta see Matt. Yeah, oh, I can't wait, man. I can't wait. And so there's been a pile of stuff in the bottom of the beer fridge that I've been like, ah, uh, not today. Yeah. I'm sort of pushing it around, pushing it around. So today I'm like, ah, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go something dark. It's still, still feeling wintry. Yep. So the first thing I pulled out, I'm like, how does this make it in here? It's a, a sour IPA. Okay. Not, not what I had in mind. Right. The second one, I'm like, all right, this, this this looks promising. I get it upstairs, and it's a salted caramel from Waterloo. And I'm hey, like, I just tried oh, that the other day, I, man. Well, that's what I said yeah. on the show. Well, okay, yeah, okay. You had it with me, so right. I'm like, ah, oh, I can't. That's been a leftover from Christmas. <laughs> Apparently, should have hit that one earlier because it's now <laughs> it's been drank out of date. <laughs> so, yes, one of those things. I've now settled on a cherry porter. Ooh. From McLean's in beautiful Hanover, Ontario. Where coming the in at a fuck is Hanover, Ontario? Yeah, Elmira. How about that? Elmira. Yeah, not home of the jackals. Two no. entirely different places. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's north of it's north of Kitchener. It's sort of making its way up in. Oh, okay. So uh, makes sense, right? In German country. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, New Hanover. Um, 
Cherry Porter yep. from McLean's. I'm going to have a pull on this and see what do you got going on over there. So it's funny you say that because, again, this is sort of a impromptu show and we just sort of decided today we were going to run this out here based on circumstance and, and we'll get to that in a second. So same thing, just kind of reach in, you know, what's kind of been sitting here, what's been pushed to the back a couple of times. And uh, I believe, I know I've had this before and I believe I actually had it somewhat recently on the podcast, but this is the traditional Irish Red from Brock Street Brewing Company there at Whitby. Um, same thing, you're just kind of looking for, yeah, kind of dark, but it doesn't have to be a stout, just did the stout thing again on Sunday, so, uh, yeah, this is a, a nice one, I've had it before, um, nice and creamy, right, I, I like that sometimes in a red, so, uh, yeah, that's what we're riding with over here. Right, it's a good color for you, Matt. For sure, man. Um, Walking yeah, so around five, looking like Kool-Aid. Yeah, 5.6, not too shabby. In figure and in, uh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. Oh yeah. Okay, that's yeah. That's what, hey, don't be hitting me with the fat Albert. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, man. Uh-huh. Uh That was not an accident, folks. Yeah. <laughs> no, I couldn't remember what he said as he goes comes barging through the wall. But you're right. It's not. Hey, hey, hey. No, it's not. Um. And I was gonna break into the mushmouth character from for Fat Albert, but I think that's no longer acceptable. Okay. <laughs> um. So I'll just move along from that. Yeah. Um, in terms of a porter, it's got all the things, all the things you would like. Okay. Um, yeah. I am getting zero cherry from it. Right. Um, and again, with the cherry, I would just like something subtle, mm-hmm. a little something in the back, but uh, I'm not getting it. And, and there's now actually virtually zero head on it, which is also slightly disappointing when I've poured it just, you know, so you heard minutes ago. Be subtle. Just a little something on the back. Well, Don't cherry come especially. I, I got all, Yeah, exactly. A little subtle in the back door. Just yes, a little exactly. Yeah. It doesn't need to be anything more aggressive We're than that. we jamming away at it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> trying to, trying to like, work the slot machine. <laughs> One too many rum punches. <laughs> What's that? One yes. too many. <laughs> um, so... The reason we're here uh, is, of course, uh, pretty big news on well, late Monday evening that uh, the owner of the Senators, uh, much maligned here in the market at times and certainly here on the podcast at times, uh, has passed away at uh, age 62. They haven't released a lot of details on what exactly has happened. It's said in the, the statement after a courageous battle, um, you know, but didn't say with what necessarily. Now we do all know that a while ago his health wasn't good. He'd had a liver transplant and you know, when you have things like that, it puts a hell of a, of a beating on your system and you are left a little bit susceptible to a lot of other things, but we won't speculate on exactly what happened. We just thought it would be probably a good idea to sit down and and talk about maybe what the legacy is of Eugene Melnick and I got a couple questions for you here, man, because you've been you've been obviously here with a front row seat through the entire thing and and for large swaths of it paying, you know, I didn't really other than a couple times in the spring, I didn't pay much attention to the senators until I got here and we had to talk about them on the show. But before we get into the legacy and and all these sorts of things, just sort of first reaction when you heard last night. Yeah, well, when you reached out to me, I, I, I literally I brushed my teeth. I was watching a bit of the national hopped into the sack, right? Like I'm just, yeah, it was like 1030 um, or something. Was, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I was like, Oh, my phone's beeping. Anyways, I looked at it and you're like, Hey, 
laying this out. First of all, I was shocked. I I knew he he wasn't well, but I, I had no idea it was that close or mm-hmm. imminent. Um, and then I, there was a bunch of shameful thoughts that go through your head, right? Mm-hmm. And you said, you know, hey, do you think about uh, hopping on for a midweek and 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 ripping through this, or do you think it'll hold? And I'm like, ah, oh, I I. I, I didn't know how I was going to reconcile all that I feel for the situation with the senators and, 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 and sort of overlay that on top of a man's just died. Yep. And, you know, he's um, survived by two fairly young daughters, I believe eight and, 18 and 22. I believe that's about right, yeah. And so I'm like, all the things that are racing through my head franchise-wise... Mm-hmm you know, sort of trample on, on the life of a, of a, of a, of a human, right? And so who had loved ones and was loved and loved people and all those sorts of things, right? And so I was like, ah, it can hold probably till Sunday as I grapple with my own, uh, my own personal take. But by the time I got to work this morning, I thought, okay, you know what? I, I can, I can put this into, into better perspective. I think I was shocked last night a bit. Mm-hmm. And, so uh, you hadn't heard until... No, the, oh, you okay. broke the news to me. Okay. And then LSG was right behind you. Ding, <laughs> ding. And I was like, oh, okay, look at these people on uh, Twitter people. Everybody clearly. wants to talk to Rob. <laughs> well, and just, or, 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 you know, break the news. Right. And so um, that's the world we live in. Yeah. So, yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised. But if you, you know, we are so, with our, with our recency bias, right, everything is bad. Everything is bad, right? It, it's it's been a the words you heard today was complicated. Was yes. a word you heard a lot. Um, fractured, another word you heard. The only one that I've heard that didn't use one of those two and Gary Bettman was uh, Bruce Garriock in terms of being local. Uh, and there's well, been some talk, yeah, exactly about his relationship with the franchise and stuff. He chose the word unique relationship with the fans, and it certainly was unique. Um, so I don't know if he was necessarily wrong, but it was a, a more polished up complicated, I think is what I would call that. Right. Well, you know what you normally polish, eh, Matt? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know where that came from though. (laughs) Like who actually does? Yeah. Well, actually it's turds and knobs. (laughs) Either way. Yeah. (laughs) But you're right. Anyways, um, it was, and, and Bettman used the word you know, passionate, yep. which, which, it, which is the other thing that people sometimes use for things that get fast and loose. Sure. Um, passionate. Yeah. I've been passionate a lot of times in my life about, and then things I regret. So, um, passion, oh yeah. Yeah. passion, passion can take you a lot of places. That, yeah. Yeah. And regret is, yeah. is certainly it usually lives in those shortly places. after passion yeah. <laughs> um, for one of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the thing is that that recency bias is really, um, if if you can look at it on a on a spectrum in the in the nineteen almost twenty years that he's been here, it sort of went from happy to sort of a large muddy sort of middle ground, right? Where you're yep. like, oh, I don't know what's happening. We're up, we're down, we're in the playoffs. Things are fine. It's stable, and then it just sort of goes to the other end, right? If it's a needle, it starts on the left and it's like, and it's now ended in this spot where at the beginning. It looked a little like a fuel tank of goodwill. 
Matt, the fuel tank of goodwill. <laughs> um, because I remember being at the uh, Halifax World Juniors and, and really legitimately the team was in bankruptcy. Players had missed the salary. Like there was a payment a paycheck missed, missed to the players. Yep. And it looked like the Bryden, uh, the Bryden group weren't, they were just going to throw, they threw the keys on the table. Yep. Hey man, we can't do this anymore. Right. At, it was a different time in those days. And so um, I'm down there from afar now looking at it going, man, is there going to be a team? Right. What? When I get back, and the team was just starting to get good. I think they won the President's Trophy in 03. 02, 03, I believe, yeah. Yeah, so it's a good team. And you're like, and this is an era in, in Canadian hockey for any of you youngins out there, where the Canadian dollar's at like 63 cents. Mm-hmm. You had just lost Winnipeg. Quebec had gone to Colorado. Edmonton was on the ropes. You had this weird 30-person ownership group in Calgary where shit was just up in the air. There was, at Montreal, they had to go and find Yeah, they said, we'll never, yep, we'll never have an owner from outside Canada. Well, you'd better. And it turned out to be George Gillette, who uh, also had ownership in one of the Premier League teams, I believe, at the time, and, uh, and saved that franchise. So it was... It was precarious, yep. right? In a, in a lot of places. And so there was constant news conferences, articles written, reports on, you know, senators on life support, what's next. You know, you had a bunch of people sniffing around. There were, there were people interested in buying this team, but there weren't people interested in buying and keeping this team here. Right. Right. There were your Houston's and your Kansas cities and, and whatever else, there were all kinds of options. So I think when, when Eugene came in, I personally was hoping for Nelson Peltz, the Snapple guy. <laughs> we're number three. We're number three. That Snapple chant. You remember that? Wasn't you that, know? uh, they had, wasn't there not a series of Rosie O'Donnell commercials for Snapple as well or something? Yeah. I yeah. Think. Well, if you remember, it was, it was super huge and everyone thought they were drinking this. It's healthy. Yeah, no. Only, yeah, it's and like an apple raspberry with like 50% sugar. But <laughs> it was super big for a while there, right? In those sort of 450 milliliter bottles. It was. Yeah. Well, just before we take off any further into this area, in sticking to reaction and um, and everything that came in, I I was scrolling around kind of last night on Twitter and I got a DM from, from somebody that just said, are you hearing anything at all about Eugene being sick or whatever? And I'm like, I'm the last person that would like this show is not that plugged into <laughs> to the scene to I kind of went no and I texted somebody else and asked and I didn't hear anything back and then within about 20 25 minutes it was on Twitter the statement from the team which again blindsided that this wasn't a Frege says Bob McKenzie says like this right. came from the team Maybe that was out of respect. I, I don't know, right? Like a lot of report, Mendez said in his piece today, which I would highly recommend to people, especially Senators fans, um, that he had heard rumblings as far back as a month or two ago, but he just, that's not something you report on. It's, it's not a... Right. So at that point, uh, I eventually did get a text back from a couple of people that just said, yeah, my phone's been blowing up for an hour or two, but it's, again, just not something you... The news will get out and then you comment on it kind of more than anything else. And yeah, it, it took the market by storm, man. And your point that, 
you made a few minutes ago about working through all of this is a legit one because there are people out there and, and this show is no different and maybe over the top sometimes on on things that we've said about Melnick, right? Now, I could be corrected. There are people out there with, with fantastic memories and the ability to go back and slam a link in your face if they feel like it, that, that happens. I don't remember taking a lot of cheap shots at the guy, a hunt, like in terms of what he did with his personal time, with his, maybe the exception being, I remember talking about the, the cruise from hell over Christmas one year that ended up in a tornado or whatever, right? That, that made news during the pandemic, I believe, or. Yep. It was during the pandemic Christmas. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I, I won't shy away from the fact that dozens and dozens of shots were taken on this podcast by mostly me, but about poverty franchise and what the, the video, we did an entire podcast on the video we did with, uh, with Boro. Um, and you can't shy away from that. Right. But at the, you know, when you kind of work through it and you're looking at all these things, I, I think it's, it's sort of as a public figure, he had become unpopular. That wasn't, that's not a controversial thing to say as a guy. Yeah. You said it. He's, he's a family member. He's a friend. He's, there's people who love him. There's people he loved. And you know, if, if you don't have a lot of nice things to say about Melnick, I think that's legit and you don't have to pretend that you do, but maybe you can also pass on the tap dancing on the grave kind of things right. that, that typically follow up here. And, and so it's okay to, to have these sort of complicated feelings and and for senator fans it's obviously going to be amplified than it is uh, for somebody like me but it was interesting just in the couple of people that i reached out to uh, either late monday night and again early tuesday morning that just said yeah like it was sort of and mendez said in his piece and someone else said to me via text message it was really weird that melnick didn't publicly say anything about ukraine that's been a thing for him right as a, someone with ukrainian heritage yeah and when the war started there, they expected to hear more from him. And it started to set off these kind of alarm bells that uh, he's not commenting on that publicly, like, at least on video, right? Like yeah, it was, was just in print. Yeah. Um, so that is what started this for some people. And then I guess as Monday evening built, the the rumbling started to really kind of come. And then all of a sudden the team put it out. So that was interesting just to hear that even some of the the people who are really plugged in in this market you know, knew something was off, but didn't know, like you said, that it was anywhere close to this bad until it was, oh, it's over. Like, yeah. Um, so let's just kind of which, del- which, which does make it more complicated. Of course. It, yeah. It's not like, oh, he's battling. And then you have these moments where you're like, there's some sort of softening. Right. right. It's just like right away, bam. And you're like, oh, how, how do I feel? Oh, uh, that tweet I posted two days ago is going to age yeah. poorly, right? Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. It's... Yeah, yeah. And, and in terms of your reactions to it, too, you haven't had the chance to, to sort of have that 11th hour reconsider or whatever yeah. it is on, on, on the fan's part, right? Sure. So, so why don't we go back to 2003 when he buys the team? You, you, you set it up nicely there that, you know, the team is on life support, the ownership group is basically done and the franchise has missed a paycheck, which is the alarm of all alarm bells, right? That, oh, they can't even afford to pay their goddamn players anymore. And for all the things that we criticize Gary for, the league does step in, help guide the franchise through the process. And he is 
you know, when we talk about Winnipeg uh, 1.0 and, and Quebec and the crap that he takes for that, he does help save the Sabres, the Senators, and the Oilers in their franch- or in their markets at the time. Yep. Uh, Eugene steps in at the time, big money. He's a guy who promises, and it's a promise that he kept, despite some bumpy roads along the way. I'm going to keep this team in Ottawa. What is the, do you remember sort of after the uncertainty kind of fades and okay, he's bought the team. This is his thing now. Does it calm down? Is there excitement or is it just back to business as usual? We're a typical NHL hockey team. Like what is the initial reaction to Eugene in Ottawa? Yeah. Well, it's like anybody who has any kind of insecurity or uncertainty in their life. They talk about food insecurity, right? Like when's my next meal coming from Mm -hmm. this idea that, the franchise is on the rocks. And and as soon as he came in, you're like, yeah, this guy's this guy's got a got billionaire attached to his name, right? BioVale's the company, I believe, at the time, yeah, right? Yeah. Pharmaceuticals. Yeah. He was also a um uh, a horse breeding um yeah. you know, he would had it. So to me that that smacks of money. There's a bunch of that, right? Where you Yeah. Um and so I know he was a bit quirky, eccentric. Mm-hmm. But he was a billionaire, and he was the owner of my of my team, and so and he's wearing the jersey and he's talking big talk. That's yeah, what I want. Yeah. And and you're like, okay, this this it, it you know it takes a while, mm-hmm. right, for that insecurity to wear off. Um, and he inherited as poor poor. Uh, hey, he bought it for the team and the stadium, the arena, <laughs> ninety two million US, hundred and thirty million Canadian. Right, whatever the value is now, uh, now there's debt against it, yeah, and there's a potential billion dollar lawsuit in September. <laughs> I was talking about that with somebody today. What's it worth? Might it get sold? Will it stay in the family? And then someone put that reminder in. I think it was Sean Simpson. Hey, by the way, yeah, billion dollar lawsuit pending. Oh, that'll cool your heels in a hurry on. Yeah, well, and and nothing will get settled. No, while that's out there. That's and now right. that's that's one of the questions. Now we can we can get to that or not sure. later. Yeah, yeah, but um. You know, with with somebody else in charge, if if the if the pissing match maybe right sort of cools a bit, because if you remember, it was a I'm going to sue you for nine hundred million. Well, I'm going to sue you for a billion. <laughs> You're like, okay, take this. Uh, yeah, um, but it was interesting to hear back in in either early in the early in the new year or late in 2021, where the idea was. He both doubled down on staying in Canada, but also said that they were maybe open to inquiring about LeBreton again. And you're yep. like, what? It did seem like it wasn't as dead as it was. Right. And so for many fans, but yeah, so if you double back to 03, it was this good thing. And he inherited a very good hockey team. Yeah. The and business so- was shit, but the team was on the come of becoming really good, if not already really good. Right. And so, uh, he paid, he paid to keep that team together through Oh nine. And, and it was great. It was, it was golden years here, right? That's the end of a, an 11 year straight run in the playoffs, which everybody thought would go on forever. <laughs> it doesn't Matt. And nothing I need to tell you. Yeah. Thanks for clearing um, that up for me. <laughs> um, but it, uh, it's just, then things started to go, you know, sort of into that. But it was, 
It was great. And and I would even throw into the end of those those golden days the World Juniors, which which the organization spearheaded to bring here. Mm-hmm. Uh that was amazing, right? Then followed by the All-Star game, all those sorts of things. The the outdoor the outdoor game in 2018, whenever that was where he actually shat on it. <laughs> yes. But I liked your idea. I liked your idea of bringing it, yeah. right? And so um, I heard Chris Stevenson today, and I think I think CJ put it really well when he said, you know, uh, both a bonus and a curse is that is that there really wasn't a, a bigger fan of the franchise than the owner himself, and mm-hmm. and I think I think that I think that really clouds your judgment, and and I think you know they talk about his passion, and nobody wanted to win more, and he he really wanted to win a cup, but you know, him not knowing how to do it. And thinking he knew how to do it, like right. he, like he had success with his other businesses, was harmful. Well, and we um, talked a bunch of times, especially when he passed, about Brian Murray and his ability to manage up. Right, I'm the right. general manager. I'm running this thing. I have an owner who wants to get involved. He has opinions. He whatever. I can buffer that from the organization. Yeah. I can absorb that. I can shield from that a little bit. And you know, for whatever you think about Pierre Dorian, you know he's Eugene's guy at this point and maybe he either was unable to or was brought in with the express purpose of not managing up Um, is interesting as we kind of work through the timeline you know one of the things you talk about quirkiness or or passion or whatever one of the big things he does and I don't bring it up to be shitty but in that 0-4 series against the Leafs going into game seven he's puffing his chest out saying we're gonna kill him and again it doesn't go the right way but that's a Masai Ujiri moment fuck Brooklyn right like you want that as an like MLSC is a big corporate faceless the CEO of Bell is never going to step out and, and do that or whatever. When a guy owns your team, as we've talked about here, for better or worse, he can have that passion as long as he knows, yeah, I should be out here with the fans in the jersey and, and saying, screw Toronto and, and things like that. Please don't get involved at free agent or trade deadline time, right? Like those, You got to know where to draw those lines. And so he does sort of endear himself early on to the fan base by saying, uh, by saving the team financially and then kind of, yeah, let's screw those guys, screw big brother down the highway. And, you know, he does go out and it doesn't pan out, but he's willing to sign Dominic Hasek, right? It, he's, as you said, he's building the team. He's signing the guys he's supposed to sign internally and he's taking his shots at it uh, with free agents and trades, brings in Danny Heatley. And for a couple of years, that goes really well. The team builds and ends up as a Stanley cup finalist. Um, you know, for quite a while, even if the, the novelty of it has worn off, the franchise is stable and competitive and doing the things that you don't, you're not thinking every day about it being a small market team or a whatever, right? Like he's behaving like a pro yep. sports owner should behave. Yep. It, it's true. And uh, yeah, you just, you just hope that, yeah that you have somebody who can who can manage that and i think i think when you also that 04 series and it was Ty Domi who said you know oh we put it it was bulletin board material for us yeah that motivated and, us yeah eh, and, maybe and, and, and okay 
but you don't hear that from Tide only if if the senators win. Right. And so it's this idea that sometimes you got to say it before you believe it. Yep. Right. And so, and, and you do all those bold things, you know, Messier with his, we're going to win and gets a hat trick. If, if, if he they, doesn't, they lose. They get shut three zip. Yeah, man. You're, you're, everybody's saying, oh, look at that. And we don't so, have a potato chip award for leadership in the. Uh, exactly. That's a whole other. And, and, uh, and, yeah. And so it, 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 it was endearing to the fan base who, who, and he's a, he's a Toronto guy. Yep. Right, and he's out there, and he's taking his swings, and he's doing his thing, and yeah, it was again. There was all kinds of. I'd appreciate that as an Ottawa fan. I haven't been one. I'd, I've, I don't have. I've never been a fan of a team with that type of ownership. But here's a guy who's just out there slinging shit at the team I hate with me. Yeah, man, I'm with you. Right, like let's go. Yeah, yeah, but I again, we've talked about it before, right? Whether it's the the Davises in, in Los Angeles, yes. Oakland, Los Angeles, Oakland. Well, that's it. Keep your fingers out of the pie, though. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're Jarrah Jones in yes. the Dallas Cowboys, right? Where you're like, hey, I know. I'm going to run the team. I'm going to be like GM. And you're like, oh, my yeah, No, goodness. please don't. Yeah. No. And, and, and so do you love it that these guys, you know, blindly they 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 do whatever they can those guys are great examples because they are legit billionaires and um but that you're doing what you can but it never works it doesn't work in those two situations Mm -hmm. and um it hasn't worked here it hasn't worked here and in fact it's it's gone quite poorly in the second half and so well let's where does it start to turn is is it 09 that Heatley demands a trade, or is that 2010? It's somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, it is right in that. It is because right he in that was. I, I guess yeah, because in Vancouver, uh, the Vancouver Olympics, he's on that shark line. So it must have been just before the 09 10 season. But at the time, and I don't remember all the specifics, the fan base was staunchly fuck Heatley. It wasn't yep. being yep. taken out on on Eugene. I don't remember the exact circumstances. When do you remember starting to go, okay, maybe this isn't as bulletproof as I thought, or maybe he's not quite what I thought, or this is start, the ship's starting to turn a bit? To me, it's Alfie's departure. So that's around 12? Okay, 13. 12, 13, in yeah. there, yeah. That's, that's where it is for me, is it's post-All-Star game, because the All-Star game was here in 12, 11, 12, I think that one is 2011, I believe. Okay. So it's, it's, it's when that happens and, and there's a lot of miscommunication there, but when, when you lose the, the soul of the franchise and, and there's a lot of reasons why that was, um, money promised, handshake deals, yada, yada. Um, yeah, to me, that's when things start to turn and you start to lose the goodwill of the fan base, right? Melnick, Melnick had, had made a couple of comments about, well, he doesn't want to be here you know, whatever. And, and people are like, Ooh, yeah. Mr. Senator. Like that's our guy. Yeah. And, and we want him to be here. Is he in the back end of his career? Yeah. But we still, we want him to finish here, but Mm no. Um, so to me, that's, that's a date 2013. You're starting to be up and down a little bit, you know, in the playoffs, out of the playoffs, in the playoffs, out of the playoffs. Right. And then, and then you lose this, the soul of your franchise over, um, you know, a lot of talk that they, they just wouldn't pay him. 
And, and he was on one of those early back diving contracts. Right. So yeah, well, he signed it, not his deal, but he, he greatly outperformed his contract at the end and was looking for a little something and they, and they didn't, uh, they didn't step up. And so the fans, it, it was, it was a bit of a bitter pill for that at the time. And so to me, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the, the start of the, of the turning point for me. Cause you're right. Uh, to, to me, Danny Healy and his 200 goals in his f- first four seasons, you're like, man, at least 190 <laughs> was 50, 50, 40 odd, 40 odd. Right. And then, yeah, there was haggling. Best over, line in hockey. They called it there for a while with Spezza and Alfie. Yep. The pizza line. Yes. Uh, lame name, but yeah, great line. Um, terrible name. Yep. Um, but it, it was, yeah, when he left, people were like, Psh, good riddance, <laughs> beat it. Um, yeah, so to me, it, it is, it, it starts to get muddier in 2013 when Alfredson leaves, in my opinion. Uh, he goes to Detroit, spends a year there, I believe comes home, retires. And later on, shortly after Melnick's transplant, he, Alfie is brought back in in a management position and within six months is gone again. Into that 2017 run. Um, yeah. And you're sort of like, what the fuck was that? Right? Like, uh, sort of the more things change, the more they stay the same. Or, yeah. It sort of felt l- like, sorry, man, but Melnick maybe almost had a, you know, he's, he's had this life altering procedure and he's back and he's like, I'm going to do all the right things. And then he, you're just sort of like, oh, right. I forgot. I hate this. Or whether they didn't get along or whatever right. it might be. Right. It, it sort of felt like I'm going to do all the things. I should have done or could have done. And then you're like, ah, no, I'm over it. It's sort of how it came off. It's like when you break up with that person and you're like, oh, maybe. I miss her. Maybe it's not so bad. Yeah. Then one fucking weekend back and you're like, oh, man, (laughs) I remember why I left this fucking thing. Black, (laughs) whatever else is happening. So, yeah. And there was a lot of talk, right? That he just, he just couldn't, couldn't stay in that environment. Yeah. So, and, and there was never any slinging of mud on his part. He just was like, see ya, and left and still lives in the city. And yep. um, you see him, uh, Carlson's game when San Jose was back this year, you saw a fat-faced Daniel Alfredson. <laughs> Into retirement as he is. In the stands. Nice. Like bought a ticket kind of sitting in the stands. Right. So that was odd, right? That's again, it's another one of those things where you're like, mm. so weird. And it seems that like I, I just sort of want to make sure we we tell the story here a bit, a bit as we kind of move through it. We can get to some of the things that the Dorian or Dorian Melnick rightly deserves credit for. But just to tell the story, it does sort of seem over those next two or three years, there's just a couple of weird little things that pop up here and there. We're like, oh, that was strange. Or why does he keep going on Toronto radio? Or or weird things like that. And it does seem to get to December 2017. I think they called it the NHL 100 Classic, which was uh, the outdoor game in Ottawa. And, you know, attendance is down and um, business isn't great. And they're coming off, I believe it was 2017, the spring of 2017, they took that run to the conference final. And uh, is it not then that fall is when it starts to sputter again and yep. the Duchesne thing didn't work and, and whatever might be going on there. Well, because they were biblically bad. Right. To start that season. So they ask him at the NHL 100 Classic, you know, 
Is there a chance this could, uh, I just, I'm struggling because that year there was a yeah. winter classic, a centennial yep. classic. Uh, what, yeah. Um, you know, is there a chance you'd move this? And he says, yeah, if attendance gets bad enough, if, if things, you know, were to get bad, I would move. And there's some weird supermarket analogy yeah. he makes. If in I there. don't sell, if I can't sell produce here, I'll move down the road to some other place where produce sells better. Right. And I don't know what road that is that is drastically different produce demand, but that's yeah. maybe not his point completely. The thing was, it at, at the heart of it, and he would say this later, go back and watch my comments on YouTube, He was his quote, but yeah, for any sports franchise, if things were to get bad and no one was coming and buy, yeah, I'd probably move. Did you have to say it tonight or did you really have to say it at all? Like people understand if no one's supporting a team in a certain city, I get it. He knows the eyes of the the world are on his team and he's trying to send a message here. We need to do better. We need to sell more tickets. But at the same time, Senators fans, perennial little brother stuck between Montreal and Toronto, almost never on national broadcasts for big outdoor games and stuff. Did you really have to make this weekend about that as much as anything else? Because, again, I don't think the comments were crazy, but your timing sucked, man. And, and as much as anything else, that's the way I remember that playing out. Right. And, but it was always like that. And, and they go, yeah, well, he, he speaks his mind. And you go, yeah, but you have to you have to have a little tact if yeah. you're trying to run a business where PR is such a big thing. Right. Maybe where the biggest it is such thing, a, yeah. It is such a gate-driven league still. Yep. I don't care if, if the media money has grown exponentially. You can't piss off the paying customer right? or, or cause doubt. It, it is really damaging to a business. Did and you... It, I, I don't remember even then, but again, I would have been less close to it. I never took the comments to say, this is moving pretty soon. But he didn't take it off the table either, which I think was upsetting to people. Did you feel then, because it was after that, we started to see the awful attendance. Like, it didn't get really bad until after that moment. It was almost like it had the opposite effect that he was looking for. What did you take away from that weekend? Right. I I don't think that, uh, you know, but it came across, whether it was intended or not, it came across as a threat to the fans. Yeah. And, and... And a lot of people felt like, "Fuck you, man! I'm I'm not doing it. I, I I'm not doing it on your on your timeline. You you give me something to to look at. You make things better, right? Um, and so yeah, people were disgruntled by it. And so, but to me, it's it's always those sorts of things where he just and he, as you said, you know, not just going only on Toronto radio. The times he would come to Ottawa, he would go to the news, 580 CFRA, and do an interview there, bypassing the team that covers the station that yeah, covers. Yeah, your broadcast partner. Yeah, his his games. TSN and, 1200, and, yeah. And, and gives like 12 hour a day. Yes. Like almost incessant sends coverage. Yep. And you, you don't go there? It's odd. That was one of the things that seemed to turn some more people. Some people would have read a lot into it. Some wouldn't. It was a year or two after this that he makes his comments about one of the most popular media personalities in Ottawa. Uh, and bias is on the table. Ian Mendez is a friend of this show, but he calls him 
Bush League for some questions that he asks Pierre Dorian about the, the rebuild. That turns some people off. But we are at that point already into a downslide in attendance. Some of that, obviously, based on performance of the team, right? It's fallen off and we're now rebuilding. And um, But also, people are saying, I'm not supporting the team as long as he owns it. We're starting to see the Melnick out billboards, which were always, I guess it's a, a voicing of frustrations, but it was never like, I don't know, Matt, like it, it, those billboards and that movement always seemed weird to me because you're not demanding someone be fired. He can't be fired. He owns the thing, right? Like you can right. put enough pressure on an owner to fire a GM eventually if it's bad for right. business. If he owns the thing and he's... Hello, just, hello he, Garth Snow. Right. But if, if he owns the thing and is willing to just wait you out... It's up to yeah. you. You have an NHL team in your city or you don't based on your own right. choices. Right. And, and, and it is worth noting they were talking about because he, he has done, uh, there's a pile of uh, below the radar charitable work that's been done. Right. right? And I do um, have that here on our to get to list. I, <laughs> okay. I was saving it towards the end to kind of, to balloon him back up a little bit after we yeah. do tell the, the, the complicated and unique story. Yeah, the unique relationship. Yes. But yeah, th- so there was, and, and, and there got to be more of these things like, you know, along the way you had the, he's going to get a forensics guy to look into, what's his face? Carlson. No, yeah, who cut Carlson's Achilles. Oh, I'm Matt Cook. To think of, Matt Cook. Yeah. Uh, then there was the the Crosby on Mark Mathot's finger. Yeah, the slash there. And how, you know, Crosby should be suspended for a year or two and... <laughs> And, and how he should be wiped off the map, like these kinds of quotes. And, 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 and again, I, it's just one of those things where you're like, ah, I think that's... I'd forgotten about it because it was long before I moved up here. The one quote, it's maybe around 08, 09. And he says, anyone who <laughs> thinks this team should be blown up and rebuilt should get a bomb and blow themselves up. And you're like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> man. I don't, I don't remember that, but I actually like that. Yeah, for sure. So, that's, it's strong. strong yeah, opinions. that was in a couple pieces I read today. <laughs> this, okay, no. Wow. I totally, totally forgot that, right? And so, uh, but, the, but, but the Mendez bit is interesting because as he wrote in the article, it's a unique relationship that they had, right? Yeah. That was so good for so long and then soured at the end, right? And... And and it's one of those things. I don't know Eugene Melnick. I've never met Eugene Melnick. Right. I have met and spent time with Ian Mendez, mm-hmm. and I can't I can't think of a kinder soul. Right. Uh, so it's just one of those things, right? Where you're. And so it, it is pointed out in a few different articles that as things got more bitter and contentious, not just with Ian but with multiple media members, if you were. If you crossed a line, if you were too critical of the team, he would just cut off your access and he would instruct people within the organization not to do interviews with, with certain people. And, and that build up resentment within the fan base as well, because now it became very clear. These people are on the Sens nice list. And these people are on the Sens naughty list. And now it makes it very hard for me as a fan to understand the people on the nice list. Can I take them seriously? Or are they just shilling for the organization? And there are Elements of both, right? Some that are just shilling to stay in the good books and some that just genuinely never crossed the boss but are still doing a, a good enough job. And 
it gets complicated in a hurry, but we should, as you mentioned there a minute ago, this is a, an interesting point in Mendez piece, which we'll share the link to in the show notes. Um, he says, you know, when my daughter was sick, there was a, a lovely care package from the, from Eugene Melnick that he goes at first, I just kind of went, yeah, okay. Like his assistant probably hooked that up. He, he knows who I am and whatever. But he said just a couple of days later that Melnick came charging across a crowded room to get to him and to say, you know, how is your daughter? How are things going? We've seen uh, Melnick take an interest in stuntman Stu when he was battling uh, cancer. Uh, he's, for those not in the Ottawa area, a very popular radio personality in the city who at one time did do sports, but had moved on to a, a popular morning show here. And in was the, the in-house announcer That's at correct, the CTC. Right. A very important point. Um and just there are there have been other times um, where we've seen him step in. There was an Ottawa family that I guess after a tornado was like stuck in the Barbados or something, and he helped bring them home. Like it, it, he's a complicated guy, and he had become unpopular as the owner of the Senators, but it doesn't necessarily mean he'd become a bad person. And right. and Mendez does sum this up, and he said, you know, I I never really got a great handle on is this a good person doing bad things or a bad person doing some good things, right? Like he it got really complicated and hard to unpack. And I don't think you know your mileage may vary, kind of thing, as far as what you think of Eugene Melnick and and his time here. Well, and because of his. Because of his his quirky, sometimes prickly nature, mm-hmm. yeah, it's once 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 you sort of turned on him a bit, like it's it's the opinion has turned. It's hard to work that kind of thing, that kind of character back into your good books, right? Yeah. When you're like that, as you said, that goodwill meter is is just sort of bam, it's it's flat and it's empty, and and he and he doesn't have those fuzzy things that that bring you all the way around despite the good deeds. Yep. And so it is one of those things where, yeah, I don't think he's, I, I think, I think Ian has it right. Right. When it's, when it's a, a good guy doing odd things. And especially when you have illness prevalent in your life, who knows, who knows what, what happens in terms of decision-making and, and the way you behave or act. But um, yeah, it's, it, it certainly did get, interesting by the end well and yeah you know so he has the liver transplant part of that comes from the sens community right there is a call out you know he's not doing well i he by all accounts was far closer to death than i think most people understood maybe just a few days before um you know this call out to to the city that he has uh this need and 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 someone does come forward and typically when you're an anonymous donor unless both parties insist on it, you don't ever meet your, your donor, right. Or your the person who received your, uh, your organ donation. Um, but there was a letter that was given to the doctor that said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, but I hope this allows you to, you know, continue your life with your friends and family and to bring a Stanley cup to Ottawa. Right. So that was obviously part of the, the equation, likely a Sens fan, not necessarily a Sens, but when you reach out to the fan base like that, I think a lot of people, man, when it starts to go rotten, it almost feels that extra, but probably to him too, right? Like we had this relationship and now everybody's got these billboards up and I, I'm doing my best. Like it's, it's really is complicated is the word on, on both sides of it. I'm sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, and again, the the, the flip side of that is, and again, I, I understand where you're going with that and the picture you're trying to paint, but when you have people, you know, either through season ticket holders or who are lining up to get tested to see if they're a match, yep. and you have the other guy on the other side just waiting to see if you're a match, I'm not sure, short of trying to bring a Stanley Cup to the city, what he's doing in yeah. terms of that, I guess, that relationship, yeah. right? When you're like, yeah, okay, well... But I'm sure, like, when you're in that situation, like, there's no doubt in your mind, the bad guy, the best bad guy in any movie is written so that he can make a case to himself, I'm doing the right things. Like, I'm doing my best here, right? I, I, there's no doubt in my mind, he felt like he did everything he could and what he was doing was right. Most people didn't agree with him, but I'm sure he felt a certain amount of Hey, I kept this thing here. I've ponied up. I've paid guy after guy. And it wasn't until later that we started to see, no, you didn't like stone left and Carlson left. And yeah, it's, it is. And, 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 and the front office got thinner and thinner and thinner. And he's saying, yeah, well, income is, is thinner and thinner. And, and so I, I have a hard time at the end marrying the idea that I'm passionate and fully committed to winning a cup but I'm doing all the things that are really counterproductive to that. Right. And so I know today is not the day to, right. To, to fully flesh all that out. Because it is sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Correct. As a fan, the less I support, the less they can afford, the more pissed I get. So the less I, there's a time to get to that, but it is, it's, you, he brought some of that on himself. A lot of that on himself with. Correct. And, and that, and that is the, that is the interesting nature of it and interesting like interesting yeah um is is just how you know it 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 was two people always feeling like hey man you need to do more and the other one's like you need to do more you need to come a bit my way yep and and it just it it sort of got to a spot where it was it just seemed like you know it wasn't gonna work now that being said i was at a game this past saturday night yep very entertaining. Um, we can we don't need to break down how it was entertaining, <laughs> but it, it came down to if if there's good hockey, people are going to come. Yep. Regardless of of Harold Ballard and sure. any and any kind of legal issues <laughs> happening at the gardens, right? Mm-hmm. Still happen, still filling the barn, right? And and so yeah, it's one of those things where. A well-run team, if it if it ever got to that position, cures most ailments. So, I'm gonna paint this a certain well. What I I'm gonna let you kind of take this home, but on a kind of, you know, you as you said, you were in his building on on Saturday night watching his team. It does appear to have turned a corner in terms of the pieces in the organization now. Um, but this is the part where it starts to get expensive and, and whatever. Difficult. Yeah. As we move forward from here, you know, it was important that you said off the top because we operate almost across the board in anything we look at with way, way too much emphasis on recency bias and the things that are happening right now are important, but it is important to remember things that happened before. So you're not here to gripe about what the senators are doing if the senators leave for Houston in 2002 or 2003. 
Uh, so he kind of wears both of those elements. He does save the team. He does keep it here. Um, the team comes very close to winning a Stanley Cup under his stewardship. And sometimes things on the ice are like that team was good enough to win a Stanley Cup in 2007. It just so happened that Anaheim team was also good enough and a bit better to to win a Stanley Cup. What is, you know, your kind of, as we move away from this, and it's all very raw, your impression of his lasting legacy, and are you more or less confident the day after his passing that this team's future in Ottawa is secure here? <laughs> Wow. Slap. Take that, Rob. Take it all. It's up to you. Um, yeah. If you look at and, and it's true, and it's been uttered a bunch today, and it's not just mouthing things, this team is still here because of Eugene Melnick. Yep. Like, that's Canada. Now, I know the building was built out there before him, but Canada, Stittsville, that whole area is, is not the way it is today if there's no Senators franchise out there. Mm-hmm. Um the businesses that that thrive, the amount of of money that comes through this city now because there is a a big professional sports team here um, can't be understated, right? And if you look at just what it gives to the city, and 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 we talked about Ian Mendez, who was involved with the charity, the Senators Foundation for for a while, right? I think in their year in their years, they're almost their 30 years, 130 million dollars has been raised for charities in the city. Yeah. Um you and, know, and two uh, two thirds of that under Eugene Melnick. And we should say, you know, as I was, we were listing off the things that he did do well, when the pandemic is starting, he's offering up the arena as A a testing and B a later a vaccination site. He's sending lunches to nurses and hospitals and stuff again, all out of his pocket. And the send store stays open and pe- well, it doesn't stay open, but people keep getting paid all of that under his stewardship. Right. And so to me, th- those, those are, you can't, you can't dispute that part of it. And, and as somebody who intently follows the franchise, loves hockey, loves having a team in the city. Um, I, I've, I've bought at least three games worth of tickets this year. Yeah. Um, for Sometimes for a product that's iffy, and, and, and I can only look to buy more as it gets better. Yeah. Um, so that is, it's important for me to have the franchise here. And, and, and I'm I'm appreciative of his impact and his what's the word I'm looking for? Uh but the reason that it is that way mm-hmm. is is a great deal to do with him. And if you look at it now, um I can't really say what's gonna happen, but you hear it all around. It's all around this team of of people who are interested and willing to purchase this franchise. Uh, if it doesn't stay in family hands, right? But either either way, I think the future the future's bright. I I think for this for this franchise, um, both the ever improving talent standpoint, and and we're gonna we're gonna see, you know, whether it be new ownership or revamp leadership under whatever whoever is gonna lead this team now. Right. I think I think 
there is people who are going to be willing to to embrace what comes next with this franchise. I know we've talked before on the show, and and at times I took some blowback, and, and maybe fair enough for saying there were moments, there were times where it felt like everything that was going wrong was blamed on Eugene, even when it was unfair. Like, every problem, every uh, issue I have with the team right now, I'm blaming on on the owner. And yep. it, it almost became a crutch, right? Like, in the overwhelming majority of sports franchises, when your team sucks, when you're rebuilding, people don't go. And that's just the way it is. I'm not going to go and watch my yeah. team get crushed every night. And so it sort of became, for some cases, a crutch that while the team was bad, I can say, no, no, I'm not going because of the owner was sort of my takeaway of that. And you're seeing now, in fact, one tweet that's getting a pile of mileage just today is, what's the next home game? Sunday, I think. Sunday against Detroit. Let's pack the house on Sunday in honor of, man, if you'd have packed the house for him when he was alive. Yeah, there'd have yeah. probably been a little less, you know, and and so I, I do wonder how much of it, you know, was the owner and how much wasn't, and I think we're, we're gonna find out, and maybe not in a completely objective way because the team is turning the corner and is getting better, so people are more excited to go, and you're coming out of the pandemic and all these sorts of things. Right, it's not a completely objective measurement. But I, I do think we're about to find out how much of this was Melnick and how much of it was whatever, the location of the arena or yeah. the losing. Well, we, or, and, and we talked about all that, right? That you say, hey, like the, the, the rendezvous Le Breton thing, if it had gone through in, in 2016 and then they were saying doors open 2022. Yeah, you'd be getting ready to move in right now. Your team is getting better. New barn. Man. Yikes. Can you imagine the 2022-2023 Sens opening up their season in a brand new barn with all the excitement? Yeah. I can, Matt. That's the problem. (laughs) It was on the table. We talked about it in year two of this podcast. And so many other people talked about it too. Yeah. But there's always a lag. Yeah. When things go badly, you know, attendance stays okay for a bit before it wanes, right? Whether it's through season tickets or tickets bought in advance. Sure. Similarly, when things get better, there's a bit of a lag, yep. right? In terms of, hey, do I want to do I want to read? Sounds like a lot of things we're dealing with right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, to me, uh, I am optimistic. I am optimistic about how this goes. Um, I think I think we can wrap it up this way and look at it with the idea that. Sorry, there was one more thing I wanted to say sure. on, on the attendance and 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 franchises that go south. You look at the at the Blackhawks of the early two thousands. Um, that team sucked. Mm-hmm. The attendance was was terrible. Um, you look at Colorado, who sold out. What was it? Three hundred and some odd straight games. Then they were very bad, and their attendance went. They, hey, you stop selling out games. Well, the impenetrable the, fortress. We forget it now. But in the mid-2000s, there were suites at the ACC unsold, lights off in certain, you know. Right. You were never going to crack that facade. Oh, you cracked that facade. There is indifference in this market at this point. It happens. Well, and, and, and pre, like in the, 
in the tank years pre just just pre Matthews. Yeah. Right? You had people on on saying, Hey, I can't give away my, my leaf tickets tonight. Right. Well, because everything else, <laughs> the parking is still going to cost me. The beers are going to cost. I'm yeah. not paying that to go watch Lee Stemniak's Leafs against yeah. whatever. And so you're like, oh. But it happens. Yeah. It happens. But you can't have an owner pissing on people no. either. While it's it, happening. Exactly. You know, like, hey, do that in the good times. Yeah, sure. So it, it is, again, if, if in, in wrapping, there's so many benefits that are 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 owed directly to him him keeping this franchise here right so that is that on this day cannot be debated um whether it be you know the business benefits the growth the city growth whether it be the charitable side of it um and the fact that i still have a team to watch here whether i'm pissed off at it right but hey man leafs and cubs fans Red Sox fans for forever. That's what, hey man, that's uh, a lovable loser is, is almost at times as good as a winner, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, um, as you said, it's, it, it was complicated. You didn't have to, to love everything about him to understand that he was the reason your, uh, your franchise stayed here. And um, yeah, it, it got bad. You don't have to pretend that's not true either. But uh, well, but 60, well, 62 is still way too young. Way too young. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my heart, my heart reaches out to to his to his uh, his family, right? Because that is, no matter what else, as we said, right? He's a father, and he's still a son. His mom is, yeah. is still alive, right? And so, man, it sucks to be a parent burying a, a child, right? At whatever age that is. Yeah. So, those are the things that whatever else we talk about, right, can't be can't be disputed here today either. No, you're right. And, uh, that is the most important thing. Your, uh, your best days as a public figure might be behind you, but in your private life, it's a totally different scene. And, uh, and so, yeah, hearts out to those people and, and, and thoughts, thoughts with them. And, uh, we'll have plenty of time as we move forward to talk about what this means for the franchise and the arena and all those sorts of things. But uh, just wanted to get something out today and, and talk about what is by far the biggest story in quite a while in in this market that the show is based in. Um, it's, it's, it is, for a lot of Americans, the only reason they know where Ottawa is or, or whatever. It, you, it, it, you, you hold it, a spot down in one of the big four North American yeah. sports. Well, and most know it because it's close to the capital, Toronto. Obviously, yes, (laughs) for sure. Uh, Anything else you wanted to hit on this one, man? No, I think I think that's I think that's about it. That's Uh, about all I got. Because the business of sports does continue for sure. And by the time the good listener is hearing this, we'll have seen uh, Ottawa in Nashville, the rugged Predators. So the business goes on, no doubt. Doesn't 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 wait for anyone. The business of this show rolls on as well. Thursday morning, Michael Barclay will be on the podcast to talk about his, uh, his new book, Hearts on Fire. The uh, six years to change Canadian music, 2000 to 2005. Hope you'll join us for that one. But until then, we'll wind this one down here for Rob. My name is Matt. We'll see you next time on Tall Can Audio. See ya.